Welcome to the Andrea Inkstrom Show. I am passionate about helping you break through to your next level of abundance, success, and freedom so that you can create the life you desire and inspire others to do the same. I'm your host, Andrea Ingstrom, and on today's show, we're going to talk about building a business that works without you. So my guest today is Gigi Kinsey. Welcome to the show, Gigi. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here with you, Andrea. I'm excited for your new podcast. I'm enjoying it. And so it's an honor to get to be one of your early guests. Well, I, you were top of my list of who I wanted to feature. I'm such a fan of yours and you are such a dear friend and uh, a wise mentor in my life as well. So, so just so our our guests know a little bit about you. um, So Gigi has built multiple successful businesses over her career. And now she also coaches other women to make their next chapter, their season of success and to create a plan of action for a self-operating business. She's the author of A Woman's Guide to House Flipping and has over 20 years of experience in interior design and as a general contractor in her own business, Kinsey Interiors. So Gigi, tell us where do you do business and a little bit more about what your business looks like today. Okay. So yeah, we are in Central Texas, so just a little north of Austin, and uh, we 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 tend to work in about a 50 mile radius of, of our town because we're, it's a service we're we're providing remodel for our, our clients. So that's where we are. And Kinsey interiors is a, you know, it started out as more of an interior decorating interior design business and then moved into remodel general contracting. And we specialize in kitchen and bath remodels, but anything and everything interior and where our company is really a little different than others is we are turnkey from the design conception to project management to the final cleaning. Um, we are there to walk these clients through this process, which is not always easy having your house torn up for a while, but we we're great at handholding and getting them through. I always tell people it's like having a baby it's really uncomfortable and sometimes painful. And then when that baby is born, you forget all of that and you're so happy with what you have. And that's really what living through a remodel is like. And so we've become known as that person or as that company that can make that as easy as possible. And we really cater to the medium to high end market there. I love it. And how many team members do you have today or what is your greater mm-hmm. team size look like? So my my main people are my project manager, a man named Doug, who is amazing, not only at scheduling and keeping things organized, but at being part of that handholding process with the clients. Um, we have a, um, a estimator who is also my uh, chief operating officer. She kind of runs kind of oversees all of the different things in the company. Um, We have got two designers who are also my sales team. And of course, then we have some other support staff as well. Awesome. And then all of the subcontractors that you bring Mm -hmm. in to do the the details of the work. I love it so much. So, so let's talk about your, your entrepreneurial journey a little bit. Mm -hmm. What did that look like? How did you get started in business? 
So my um, husband and I actually went into a partnership, started a brand new business in 1998. And we uh, sold that partnership in 2000 and started two brand new businesses. So we started a new plumbing company and we started this Kinsey Interiors. And so uh, my husband kind of went off on his direction and I went in my direction, um, which is pretty crazy um, if you ask me now to start two startups in one year in one household, but we did it. Uh-huh. And uh, in Kinsey Interiors, um, we have since sold the plumbing company that we started then. Um, but I still have Kinsey Interiors and Remodel because I love that business. And I have a team that only God could have sent me. These The people in my team are so good. Um, so that doesn't have any plans for selling uh, that company. But we have we have multiple other small businesses as well. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, we've been through that in our household too, where we started multiple businesses in the same year, in the same household, and it is chaos. But I think when you're when you're an entrepreneur and you're married to an entrepreneur, that you just roll with it and you just yeah. figure it out. So tell us about what um, what you believe should be the ultimate goal of a business. I am so glad you asked that. I want to see people realize they don't they don't need to just be a solopreneur, right? That new phrase that's being kicked around. But honestly, that's what so many small businesses are. They are solely responsible for bringing revenue into their company. And when the company can't make revenue, if the owner is not present, in other words, the owner's the one providing the product or supplying the service, then the owner is always, he's just, you're, it's a job, right? Mm. You've created a job for yourself. I want to see you have a business that is a valuable asset and it can only be a valuable asset if the owner is not required for that business to operate and create revenue. So then the owner can be this visionary and oversee it, but can do that at the kids' soccer game or can be in Cancun, sitting on the beach. While they're doing that, the company is continuously running and generating revenue. And uh, and then it becomes a valuable asset that can either be sold for six, seven or eight figures, or it can be passed down to the next generation or it can simply be a means to provide income now and knowing that you have that value as an asset for later in life. Oh, I love it. And I, I can tell you're passionate about this topic and you have so much personal experience yeah. with what it's like to be the one doing everything. And now when you describe what your team looks like today, I think, you know, one of the things that popped into my head and I was like, well, that's amazing. What does she do? So tell us what is your <laughs> role when you have all the people that it feels like all the people are doing all the things that need to be done, mm-hmm. but like, what, what would be your role then in that business as the owner? What's the ideal, you know, direction for that? And what, it, what is your role in the business look like today? So the, um, so what I like to tell people when they say, what do you do? Yeah. I tell them I sign checks and I answer questions and mm-hmm. And that is true, and that, but that's really narrowing it down. So, but what I do is um, I constantly watch to see how our company can grow. I am always setting the next goal and seeing how do we get there. 
what I, I'm very cautious and watch my financials very carefully to see if I have any trends that are starting. And if it is a negative trend, I've got to figure out how do we stop this and correct it? If it's a positive trend, how do we do more of it? You know, the, the so staying on top of that, but really just having the time to think, yeah. to plan, and then to see it executed. So, you know, we hit different levels in our businesses and changes have to happen so that we can level up. And, um, I, and I'm at a level right now. I'm at that stage. So I am spending a little more time in the company now because we are at that point where we have to level up again. Yep. So we are spending a great deal of time on uh, plan of action, system and processes and things that will get us to cross over that next that next level. Okay. I, I love this concept because it, it tells us that it's like, cause I think when you get into business, sometimes it'll feel like there's no end in sight. I'm going to be doing this same thing over for, forever because how could it possibly work without me? So let's just talk about what are those, what are those levels? Like how does someone know when it's time to level up, to, to bring on team members or to, to, you know, do whatever the next level thing is that is required. Like what are the key indicators that you're kind of crossing a threshold? Well, there are, there's a couple, but one of them, I, I can break it down super simple and that's really looking at your revenue. So hmm. there, you know, let's talk about this in the, from startup to seven figures. So from startup hmm. to a hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue, Okay, so that would be phase number one. And that's where obviously the focus is uh, generating sales and starting to build a network and starting the process of setting systems in place. But you're just getting started. Now, you may hit that hundred thousand in revenue in three months. Right. Um, but when we hit the hundred thousand in 12 in a 12 month period, you've you've crossed from level one to level two and level two will take you all the way up to 250,000 a year. Okay. And new focuses have to be done more systems and processes. <clears throat> Typically when you cross over from level one to level two, if you have not already hired anyone to be, especially like an administrative assistant, that mm. is going to probably be your, your first hire and your, uh, and that's going to be a time to get that done. So processes and systems, very important. Your network building is important in each of these phases from the startup all the way through. And so you will continue that as you go from 200, hit 250,000 from 250 to a million is going to be level three. That is where a lot is going to happen. And, um, there are so many, you're going to be dealing with systems of communication and marketing and client, uh, client, uh, uh, client acquisition, so many more details. And so there's going to be more team members needed at that point. Once you hit that million dollar mark, you should have a self-operating business by that time. That Those phases are where you're building it. And by the time you hit the million dollar mark, you should have the plan of action set in place and there will be new levels and there will be more things, hurdles to cope. But right now, 
that is your goal to hit seven figures so that you can have a self-operating business. Mm-hmm. So when people think about a business that works without them or a self-operating operating mm-hmm. business, you know, a lot of times, you know, we start a business because we love what we do. Yeah. We are passionate about serving people in a certain way, or, you know, we want to still continue. And I, I hear this all the time, right? When people say, well, I started a baking company because I love baking mm-hmm. and then I grew my business and now I don't get to bake anymore. And, and so I think, you know, one of the things that we've got to pay attention to too, is making sure that you're creating a business that you, that you love and that works for you instead of you working for your business. Right. And so, yes. and so when we think about what it is that we hire out, um, you know, how do you decide what it is that you keep versus mm-hmm. what you will outsource or, or delegate and hire out? Sure. So, so that is the problem. And mm-hmm. women, especially, we tend to start businesses that we are passionate about and we love the product or we love that service that we want to provide. And so it becomes very difficult to hand that part off to someone else. We might get support people behind us, but to go out and do the thing, we want to do that. But here, this the first thing I'm going to say is being an entrepreneur, being a business owner is different than being the person who executes the product sales or the revenue. So if you want to be a master chef, then you probably really need to go work for someone else so you can spend every day being a master chef. Because if you want to own the restaurant, you're going to be running a business and dealing with everything that comes with that. But there is a way, there is a way. And um, I love to do this create a task list list of everything that you do as the Mm. business owner. What do you do on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis? I mean, brain dump that entire list and then go into sorting it. Just like you're cleaning out your closet, you're going to sort things into different baskets, keep it, throw it away, give it to someone else, sell it, do something. So you sort your tasks into, I love this and I'm great at it. Mm -hmm. Or I like it. I'm good at it. I don't like it. And I still am okay at it. And the final one, which is my favorite, I hate this and I don't want to do it. Okay. So you have four buckets and that is how you decide what you delegate because your core genius, which is always going to be in bucket one. I love it. And I'm great at it. Your core genius is where the revenue comes from. It's where the growth of the company comes from. If you're taking care of all those other things, you don't have enough time to focus on that. But even with that comes a time, and this is a process. We can't delegate everything overnight. We can't hire enough people overnight. So it's a process of monthly. What One more thing this month I can delegate off to someone else. But we still come back to, for me, instance, me, I love interior design and I'm great at it. Yeah. So if that's in my top thing and that's where I make the money and all that, it was a matter of control Yeah. to recognize that other people can equally design and sell and satisfy the needs of my clients to my satisfaction if I just gave them the chance. And so um, 
when I realized that by being out in the field and working with the clients left no time to run the business, to be a visionary for the company. And, and in fact, to be the mom to my new son, I had a surprise child in the middle of my career um, that, that it was important then to hand that off to other people if I wanted, but here's the catch. You're still the owner. You can do whatever you want. So if there was a client that I wanted that job, like, oh, that one gets me excited. I want that. I would take that client and I would just have one client that I could get all my creative you know, needs fulfilled, my passion for that industry. The rest of the time was spent running that company. And, the tr and here's what happened, Andrea. When I finally did that and I got the project manager and the estimator and the salespeople and the designers, and I was no longer doing, I was doing all of those things, by the yeah. way. When I got rid of those things for off my task list, my company doubled in revenue. Oh. That's such a huge, yeah. huge learning yes. for everybody listening is like, we think that if we give up control of some area or we, you know, bring on people that that like, we have this fear that that's going to be, you know, the, the beginning of the end is yeah. like, if I, if I don't control everything or if I take on payroll, that's a really scary thing for a lot of people is taking yes. on payroll. Yes. And so to hear that your experience is that that you know, and what was it like, why is it that you think your business doubled when you took that step to put the right people in place? Well, I was, um, I, I had a couple of, you know, staff members, they were assistants and help, but I was the one out there. So right. if I had to go sell, I had to meet with the new clients and, and, and sell, design their project and sell the project. Then I had to project manage it. I had to schedule it. I had to superintend it. I was the one meeting the subzone job. And then I would turn around and leave that dirty job site, put my high heels on and go meet with a new client and sell that job. And then I took the clients out to all the showrooms to pick all of their tile and lighting and those things. How many jobs could I do? Right. I could do, I know exactly how many I could do. I could do five. Four was ideal. Five was the top. That is all I can produce. One person can only produce so much. But when you have a team of people, each taking one part of that process, the sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. We can take as many jobs as at that moment that that team can handle. And then if you need more, you add to the team. You don't mm -hmm. limit your company. Um, and what I found out was I love running the business more than I love being out there in the field. And Amazing. I can always satisfy that need if I want to grab a client once in a while. If you're a chef and you own a restaurant, you can get in the kitchen and go form a new recipe. Yeah. You, you can satisfy your desire. But number one is running that company. Number one is protecting the corporation because now the other part of this is you're providing jobs and you're a means to make a living for all of these other families. Right. And so the company is protected always coddle your company. It's got to be the baby that is above and beyond any one person in the company, including yourself. Mm -hmm. Coddle the company, not your ego. That, that's, right. <laughs> that's right. I love it. So um, let's talk about how to, because hiring people can be really intimidating if you haven't done a lot of it before. Mm -hmm. um, it can also be something that if you, if you don't do it right, 
it, it can also be something that is, uh, t- takes a lot of time instead of gives you a lot of time yeah. back. Right. Yes, so what are yes. some tips that you have for people on how to, how to spot great talent and how to get them to want to be on your team? So here's one of the things is for the listeners that, that don't have any employees and they're wondering when, or how can I even afford, um, you know, you don't have to hire an actual employee to get that team member. You can hire a virtual assistant. They're so common and rampant and available now. You can, mm-hmm. And they can do so many of the tasks that you don't like doing and don't want to spend your time doing. You can also hire a part-time administrative assistant to come into the office and do a lot of those tasks for you. Um, and that is not going to break the bank. But what it will do is free your time up to go make more money mm-hmm. to bring into the company. Um, so that's First, I, and, and setting up payroll is scary too. There's payroll taxes to deal with. But again, that's going to be part of your systems and processes that you're creating. But when you're trying to hire, it's still scary. At this point, I have a beautiful team to bring someone new into that team that's going to meld and fit in. You want to be very cautious. So the first thing I say is you've got to know what your core values are. What is the company core values that any new hire has to, they have to have those same values. So if they don't have the same values as your company has, they're not going to be a good fit. Mm. And secondly, if they, you've got to be very clear in your head, what exactly am I, what do I need? You know, what is the exact job description? What are the tasks that this, this seat has that needs to be filled and then go after and look for that? Where people make a mistake early on in companies is they're just like, I know this. Oh, she's so sweet. I know her from church and she just seems like a go-getter. And she said she would love to come and work with me. I don't know exactly what I need her to do, but I know (laughs) I like her and I want her to be on my team. And as good as that feels a year from then, when they're not able to fulfill the needs that you have because they don't have the skill level or the time or the motivation then you have to go and and, and yeah. let them go. That's not fun. So hiring based totally on they match your core values and they match the they have the talent to match your your needs right now. You don't if you don't know your needs, you can't do that. So be very clear in listing those. I love that. You know, as I I had a, a branding agency and my husband had a film production company. And between us, we had like 30 employees that mm-hmm. we grew over the course of about five years. And so we we learned the hard way about hiring friends because we like them and we think we have a place for them. Yeah. Like we did a couple of those those kind of deals early on and learned a lot from that. So yeah. it like I felt like you were talking telling my story there for a second, Gigi. <laughs> um, but one of the things that we learned that I would love to share with our listeners is that there's this book called The Ideal Team Player. And it's by Patrick Lencioni. I don't know if you've read this, but it's the the concept is that the ideal team player possesses three qualities. So it's great to like, you should know your values and be really clear about those things. But across the board, there's, there's three values that they find in a good team player that are consistent. And those, those values are, are they humble? Are they hungry? And are they people smart? And so if they're, if they're humble, that means they can, they're willing to learn new things. 
Um, like they know that they can get better. Um, if they're hungry, it means they're, they're eager to take on new challenges and, you know, do a great job and they, you know, are showing up on time and, and willing to do, to, to do the things. And then people smart means that, that level of emotional intelligence. And it was so interesting because over the years I found that if somebody wasn't a good fit on my team, it was because they were lacking, too much in one of those areas. And if they were lacking in two areas, they never worked out. And mm. so like clarity of values. But I think if you're, if some of your values can include being humble, you know, that idea of like, don't coddle your ego, coddle your business. Like we take mm -hmm. care of clients and we don't take care of our, our, um, we don't, we worry less about, you know, as an owner and as individuals, if our ego is protected versus if we're doing what's right for each other and for the team and for our clients. Um, but those are the, those are the qualities. So if we can make sure people have those qualities in addition to whatever our core values Say are. those again. Say, yeah. It's so it's humble, hungry, and people smart. And that was, yeah. you know, every single person that didn't work out over the years on my team that I could tell you exactly which, which one or two of those were, yeah. were lacking. And what's, what's really challenging too, Gigi is like when you, and you know, this is when you, sometimes when you interview someone, they will, uh, they will be smart enough to present as if they possess all of those qualities. Mm -hmm. An egomaniac will often present themselves as someone who, uh, you know, is a great team player. Yeah. Um, and they'll, you know, they'll tell you all about it, but then once they get started, so it's, it's important to kind of know what it is, what it is that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, in addition to, in addition to like, what do they need to be good at? Or like, what are the skills they need yeah. to possess? Yeah. But what's funny is you just reminded me of that. And guys, Andrea, I was having difficulty with a team member and Andrea told me this. Uh -huh. I don't know how long ago that was, nine uh -huh. months ago or something. And we ended up letting her go. Mm. And the problem was the people smart and the humble. It was those yeah. two things. Um, and um, she had to go because she wasn't, you know, sometimes we have the right person and they're in the wrong seat. But she was actually the wrong person. Uh, you know, she wasn't the right person for the team, period. Right. Um, so she just, there was no way to fit her in or move her, shift her. And I took that advice from you and I wish I had just remembered that because, um, I need to add that to, to what I was uh, saying. That's exactly correct. And sometimes when you have a team, a problem on the team, you can shift them to a new position. They're just not in the right seat, but mm -hmm. they are the right person. Mm -hmm. And then there's sometimes you just find out they don't need to be on your team at all. And yeah. I always hire just a little tidbit. I always hire with a 90 day probationary period. Oh, that's huge. And that's really brave. Yeah. I, and I have let people go right before the 90 days when I knew that there was nothing that was going to make this person fit into my, what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so that is an easy way it's agreed upon at the time I hire them. So always hire with that. It gives you that little awe feeling of that this is okay to say, we're not going to move forward. I love it. I love it. So what, once somebody is on board on your team, like what are some things that you do to make sure that, that you have a positive working environment, that you've got a good team culture? I love the way you sing the praises of your team. You know, I asked you like, tell me about the size of your team. And you told me how amazing each of them are. And that, that is such an exceptional quality in a leader is to like, 
call out the the great things about your team instead of just say, you know, oh, we've got, you know, 18 members and they're, you know, they're doing great, whatever. But you were like very attentive to why they're amazing. And I think that's, that's such a great, a great thing people can learn from as well as to mm. recognize the talent and call it out and you call yeah. it by name. I love it. But what yeah. are some, what are some other things as a leader that you do to create a good environment for your team to want to stay with you and grow with you? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we're a family owned small company and um, I recognize that they value their family just like I value mine. And I think that they understand that and feel comfortable when, if they need to be off to take care of something uh, with their family, that, um, I, that I'm going to be understanding of that and I'm going to work with them. So the biggest thing I think that with my team is I am not a micromanager. I'm very clear on what my expectations are. I'm clear about the level of integrity and the values that we have in order to achieve those, those goals that I have for them. But I don't micromanage their day and how they achieve each of their tasks. Um, because if I have to micromanage them, they're not the right person for my team because that's not the kind of business that I want to have. Um, I want them to be able to make executive decisions on their own and then take full responsibility for that and not try to, well, it was so-and-so's fault. Just say, I made a decision. It was wrong. We've got to figure out how to fix this. Um, but in addition to that, we have systems and processes. Yeah. And and so when you hire someone, if you just think that you're going to hire them and just verbally talk them, talk them, talk them through their new job, um, it's a, that's a lot of work, right? It's a lot of time. That's another reason people hate to hire someone new because they're like, oh, the training process. But if you will have clear cut systems and processes for their position, that will take probably 50% of the time, the, the one-on-one -on -one time out of the training process mm -hmm. because they have something to continuously go back and look at. Mm -hmm. And so we've done that to, to just ease that process. I love it. That that's fantastic. There's, you know, there's two sets of, of things that I think are really important. Um, so you, what you described as documented systems and processes. And so some people call those SOPs or standard operating procedures. Mm -hmm. I think having a check like checklists and videos walking you through how to do what we're talking about in your systems on your computer, even. Yeah. And, and like, there's all kinds of ways that you can document that. But then on the other side of that is KPIs, which is key performance indicators, which is how we measure are people actually doing the things that we have said is an expectation? So we give them the the systems, and then we give we give them clear, you know, ways that we measure performance, right? Mm -hmm. So I think what you've described is like an environment that where people can be confident because they're clear. And you know, Brene Brown says that clear is kind, and I think yeah. it makes for a much better working environment when people know what to expect of you, and also they know what you expect of them. So I love what you're building here, Gigi. And I think you come from such great, such a great world of experience and these things that you've learned, you know, over years and years in business and you and your business, you, you said that you and your husband sold a business recently. Tell us what mm -hmm. are some of the things you learned through that process? Cause that is the true Testament of a business that works without you. 
is the ability to allow a new owner to, to take, you know, to buy the business and the owner, like the, the previous owner just is able to step away completely. Right. Yeah. 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 So our, uh, can you hear me? Huh? <laughs> just checking. Um, so our plumbing company was, uh, a super easy transition to sell that company because, uh, my husband and I had, basically created a self-operating business and he was the day-to-day, you know, he was there, but he had a manager under him. And so really one manager reported to him. He didn't deal with all of the issues and all of the technicians, all the employees, he dealt with one manager. So when you have that set up, the new owner can deal with that one manager. Beautiful. So, and and let me just share one more thing about selling a company. One of the big problems out there, people, uh, business owners tend to mix personal Mm. with business. And one of the things that is in the mind of of new business owners, especially is I I don't want to pay taxes. So I'm going to squeeze as many of my personal expenses into the company and just sort of put them into the expense account. It's not going to show up as my salary or my dividend. It's just going to be melded in there. And what happens to them when they want to sell is that becomes very messy Mm -hmm. because they look at your income to evaluate your company. They're going to look at your actual profit plus your salary, the owner's salary, and anything that is obvious, such as your maybe the company's paying your truck payment, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's easy. That's above board. They can yeah. add that in. Um, anything like that, that's easy. And they add all that together and that is the actual profit. And then it's so many times that typically. Right. Um, I don't know how to say, I can never say the word right, a bit of or whatever it is. But yeah. There you go. But But here's where they screw up. They try to lower their profits so they don't have to pay as much in income tax. Mm-hmm. And- Think about that. Let's say you lower your income by your your profit by $100,000 every year, like that you just wiggle away all this. If they're looking at your profit times five Mm -hmm. and you just took out $100,000, you just lowered the resale value of your company by half a million dollars. Just so, but if you had put that into your salary so that you could just pay for those things, salary gets added to that profit because that's all the owners, what the owner's taking, it would go into the valuation of your company. So I'm just here to say, as you grow and level up, no mixing, be very upfront on what you are taking as an owner. We, we should get perks, right? Mm -hmm. We should get a good salary. We should get good perks, but be upfront about it on the books. Great advice. This is great advice. So um, let's talk about mistakes, uh, other mistakes, because this this brings us to like, that's a, that's a huge mistake that you could make if you're planning on selling your business at some point in the future. What are other mistakes that you see entrepreneurs make when they're trying to scale their business? Well, number one is they're trying to scale it with them still being the main source of revenue. You know, so that's Mm. the first thing, trying to get bigger and bigger. And the reason why that's a mistake is what is happening to your to your personal life. If all of the growth is on your shoulders, if you're carrying that burden on your back to and and you've hired more people, that payroll has to be met every week. And you're the only one who can provide it. I was there. I had a staff 
and I was the only one out performing. If I didn't sell, then they didn't get a paycheck, which has never happened in 25 years, but that's what would have happened. So for me to leave and take two weeks off was very difficult for me to not take a client appointment because I needed to be maybe at the school on, you know, a special day for my son was very, it cost me money to do that. And so that's why leveling up with you being the only one producing revenue is a big mistake. I want you to have a successful life, mm. not just a successful business. And I'm telling you what good, there is no value in a successful business if everything else in your life is neglected and falling apart. Absolutely. I got, you got to have time. You got to have time to devote to your family, your relationships, your other, you know, other endeavors and passions. So you must build your team. And number two, you must build your network. You need other people. You need other people in your industry, other people in your community, other people to go to, lean on, look for mentors, look for favors, and then provide those same, same things back to them. Believe me, as you get closer and closer to that seven figure mark, you're going to call it in. You're going to be looking for some of those favors. I, I went and did some really inexpensive work for one of the biggest builders in my area, probably 18 years ago. And I developed such a good relationship with him because he had the best reputation of building a quality product at, at, a, at a high end price. And I wasn't gaining anything from doing that other than that relationship and what that brought me. And that brought me the confidence of all of his clients. So you see it. the network networking is super valuable as well as you level up. I love that advice. Tell us about the personal qualities that you believe are critical for an entrepreneur to be successful mm -hmm. and to be able to scale and take it next level mm -hmm. through those phases you described. All right. I'm fixing to say the word, you know, it, you got to be brave. And brave yeah. means no matter how scared you are and guys, you're going to be scared to take some of these next steps. It's scary to even start the business, it's scary to, to quit a job, to start a business. Um, but you do it anyway, right? That's what an entrepreneur does. They take risks on a regular basis. Every time we make an executive decision to do something or not do something, there's a risk. We don't have a, a you know, what is that? A, a crystal ball yeah. to know if we're making, always making that right decision. And so we just have to make executive decisions and then move on, take the next best step. Yeah. So entrepreneurs, I think must be, uh, I'm not going to say fearless, but brave because that means they do it scared. They have to be willing to take some risks. And I mean, calculated risks, not silly risks yeah. where you don't analyze the situation and they have to be self-motivated and disciplined. You know, I know someone who started their own business because they were so tired of answering to a boss, but they took off so much, right? They took too many vacations and they were the solopreneur and they ended up losing the business and their home. Mm -hmm. And you've got to be disciplined and understand, especially in those early startup years, you got to get up and go do it every single day. And it doesn't end at five o'clock. You know, yeah. that phone might ring at eight o'clock. You may find out your team is not showing you. Someone on your team's not going to be there tomorrow and you do have to go take over. It's a lot, but the rewards are even greater 
So I, you know, you have to love it like I do. You have to love it and be excited and always looking for the next goal to keep you motivated, a reason to get up and go do it again. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, so I, I love to ask brilliant thought leaders like you, what are the books that you're reading? Like what's your favorite books and business that you would recommend to someone who okay. wants to keep growing? All right. Well, I love Keith Cunningham. He is a fantastic businessman who's written a few books. The one that I love is called These, uh, Ultimate Bl The Ultimate Blueprint for a Successful Business. Awesome. There are so many words of wisdom in that. And then my other author is Gino Wickman, who wrote the EOS, what is it? I wrote it down, the EOS Life and Traction. Yeah. Traction, I read first, and then the EOS Life also really breaks it down. And finally, I would recommend Who Not How, because once again, when we start going, oh, how can I do this? How can I take on more? How can I level up? It's not you. It's who. So who are you going to get to bring on to do those things? Hire people that know more than you or more talented than you. Always that humble comes back into that. You want people that are smarter than you to be on your team. So you can do that leveling up. Absolutely. So what's next for you, Gigi? What are, what are the projects that you're most excited about this year? So I have two things. Um, I am reaching a new level at Kinsey Interiors and Remodel. So we are putting a lot of thought into, into that leveling up and some changes that we're making. Um, we have an ultimate goal of franchising that company. And I so love it. preparing over the next few years to get to that point um, is going to take a lot. And that so that's something that I'm excited about. But then Season of Success, which is my new online membership for other women, who want to level up, who are either just starting out and they want to start their business off from the beginning, doing it the right way, or they've been in business for five, 10, 15 years, and it's a drain. It's a prison of their time. And they want to learn how to shift it into becoming a valuable asset, into being a self-operating business. And at the same time, they still want to have a successful life surrounding that. So we also know we teach business classes every week. We also teach the keys to success and we deal with what I call the eight spokes in the wheel of success. So that we have it a wonderful life. We're not just focused on business. And that, uh, that is uh, just set off. We just launched it last Friday. So I'm excited to see that membership grow. I wanted it to be accessible and affordable for women um, in all phases of business. And I'm excited to you know, see that take off and, and develop and grow into other avenues. Beautiful. Tell people where they can connect with you. How can they be part of what you're doing? Okay. Well, on Facebook, you can find my, I'm, I'm Gigi Strang Kinsey. And you can just connect with me personally there. We have another page called Gigi Kinsey that is uh, going to change soon. But that page is strictly for, you know, season of success. People to just find us there. On Instagram, my handle is season of success underscore one. You can follow me there. And um, to find out more about Season of Success and actually download a free gift, a free class, you can find me at seasonofsuccess.com. Super Perfect. easy. Perfect. I love it. 
Well, I would love if you would issue a challenge, like you are an action taker, you take bold action in your business and inspire others to do the same. So what is something that you would challenge our listeners who are business owners to do to take bold action this week? Ooh, okay. Let me think about that. Um, well, I think the, if they're already in business, I really would love to see them sit down and do that brain dump of every task that they're taking and then start the sorting process. And first of all, find out what they can eliminate out of habit. What are you doing that no longer is even needed and is a time suck? Eliminate and then figure out what you can delegate. Even if you already feel like you've delegated and have a team, look and see what else can you delegate and take off your plate that is taking you away from doing the big things that need to be done. That's going to take your company to the next level. So it's a, it's create the task and then sort the tasks and then take action, either eliminate it, delegate it, or elevate it to what you focus on. Awesome. I love it. I love how you're like, Oh, let me think about it. And then you're just like, boom, boom, do this, do this. And it's like really practical, actionable stuff. So this is good. This is great. Gigi. Thank you so much for joining me and being such a dear friend and, um, and an inspiration to so many women. Um, we're, we're excited to bring this to, to all of our listeners. Thanks Thank for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And let me just say really quick, this is such a cool relationship that you and I have, Andrea. She has helped, Andrea has helped me so much and so many times. And then when I hear that maybe I have something that has helped Andrea, it's a great friendship and so cool to network with other women entrepreneurs. Amazing. Thank you, Gigi. Um, well, if you want to are listening today and you want to gain more clarity in your life and your business, I want to invite you to join me for a free workshop for women entrepreneurs on how to build your personal clarity, confidence, and connections so that you can increase your income, live your best life and inspire others to do the same. I'm hosting a little workshop, um, coming up soon called the three secrets to double your income, clarity, confidence, and unlimited referrals. And you can register for that for free at andreaengstrom.com. But if something on the show resonated with you, if Gigi shared something that just knocked your socks off, I would love if you would let us know by giving this podcast a review. You can drop me a line at andreaengstrom.com. And if you're a woman entrepreneur, um, you can join my Facebook group, Bold Women in Business Sisterhood, where I share strategies for clarity, confidence, and powerful connections. But till next time, I'm Andrea Engstrom, encouraging you to take action on your dreams. You are the one who makes your dreams come true. So show up to your life with power and authenticity. Be bold, be tenacious, and make it happen.